Welcome in. It is time for another edition of Unlock with Fox's Brock Hewitt. I'm Lance Tittle for the next round. This is on Disrupt the Media. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. We would appreciate it. It is always brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use that code next round. Get that first deposit bonus at mybookie.ag. So we've got a 14 playoff set. We've got four Heisman finalists. Uh, let me start and then we'll back our way into it. Let's start with the Heisman finalist. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, three were obvious, and I think it came down to a game you were at. I think you were there Friday night. When did you go to the Sphere? Did you go Saturday night or Friday night? I went to the Sphere Saturday night. So, oh, yeah, I was in Vegas. I was in Vegas yeah. Thursday to Sunday, and it was woo, it was pretty cool. Yeah, well, we're planning, and I told you before we went on, we're planning our West Coast trip. I think we're going to be in Vegas the first night we're out there, then to L.A. for four nights, and then a final night in Vegas before we come back home to the uh, great state of Alabama with right. all that. Yeah, that feels about right. Yeah. I like that. So, yeah, that's, that's what I need. Uh, Pac-12 championship game. You were there. Yeah. Um, it, you know, going into the game, it seemed like if Bo Nix played like Bo Nix has played the last couple of months and Oregon win, won the game, like a lot of people, especially Las Vegas thought would happen, then Bo Nix would have been probably your Heisman trophy winner. Instead, yep. Michael yep. Penix and Washington played with the chip on their shoulder. They got up 23 early. Bo did not play his best football. And coming out of that game, Jaden Daniels is a massive favorite. Now I've seen mm-hmm. where it looks like Michael Penix could be the runner-up, and then Bo could be number three. What I don't understand, and I think he's an incredible player, and you've covered him, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, uh, Roma Dunze, those guys, the seasons were better than Marvin Harrison Correct. Jr. Why even have a fourth there? There's no need for it. No, really, it, it, you really don't. And and that's nothing against Marvin, but unfortunately, Ohio State, especially offensively, was not nearly as dynamic as they've been in the past. I think that's why Ryan Day probably told Kyle McCord, like, you may want to look for someplace else because I'm not going to guarantee you that the spot next year and we're going to look to to upgrade that position and, and his numbers. I mean, and even his impact and influence over games this season was not what Roma Dunze's was. And, and you saw that once again on the championship stage. Uh, Vegas was incredible, man. The scene was was off the hook. And I know that you will enjoy the Rose Bowl. And when you get to the Rose Bowl on that day and on that Monday, it will be I mean, football nirvana, football heaven. Like, it is as incredible as any place. Why Herbie loves it. Keith Jackson called it the granddaddy of them all. It is special. But it's not communal like New Orleans is. It's not communal like Vegas is. You know, right? Right. It's not everybody it's, in the same it's spot. It's a pain in the know? ass. Like, we, we, we went to Pasadena. <laughs> yes. I was blown away. The first time was 2009. Nick Saban's first opportunity for a national championship against Texas we were going through this really nice neighborhood in Pasadena, and I'm like, I don't even right. know where we're going. We right. get there, and we're on a golf course yes. tailgating. It was such right. a weird, surreal scene. Once we were in there, it was beautiful with the mountains. Yes. It was so majestic, yes. but it was just – I had no idea where I was heading, and it was going to be like no. that. No, and there's not really a place like ahead of t- time like you're not hanging out at the rose bowl the days leading up to it you're not you know you're spread out all over everybody tries to figure out how and where we're going to stay and, and how do we all connect and and what venues do we go to versus man you've got mandalay bay <laughs> and you got all the casinos and you got everything around uh you know ar- around allegiant stadium and and you know you're just rubbing shoulders with oregon ducks and huskies and everybody that's down there and you know same thing with with new orleans and, and i know that husky fans were bummed and were really thinking after they won friday night like can you you imagine, man, it's going to be 91 all over again. It's going to be Michigan and Washington, Washington, and those colors down in the Rose Bowl, and and flights are already booked and everything else. 
And then Alabama had to go and screw everything up and turn over the apple cart. And all of a sudden now we got to figure out ways and kudos to Alaska Airlines. I think they opened up like eight new flights that all sold out like that. Um, Big Brother was on my radio show yesterday and, and Damon was saying, hey, listen, I know it's not Pasadena. I know it's not the granddaddy of them all, but he was there in 01 with the Patriots when they beat the Rams and he was backing up Brady and, and, you know, everything's walking distance and, and uh, Bourbon Street. I was there. Don't, don't Rome. remind me. It was a game. I never sweated. Um, I think I told you this, you saw you two, which we got to get to this in a minute on Saturday yeah. night. I had an opportunity. The only time the, the opportunity to see them halftime, a Super Bowl 36. And I decided to get a beer instead. So didn't care anything about that. Watch the Rams as 13 and a half point favorites lose. I have been to so many events, so many big events yep. in New Orleans. It, just let me tell Husky fans, they are going to have an incredible time because nobody is in a bad mood in New Orleans. It's dirty. It's dank. But boy, it's got character. And if you like to it eat does. and drink and have a good time, <laughs> yeah. that is the place you want to go. And you're right. The cool thing about it is like you can be at a bar and you can be like, I'm going to go take a 30 minute nap. And you're right back at that bar in an hour. You know, yes. in Los Angeles, you know this, man. Like we, we found out the media hotel is downtown L.A. instead of Newport this year. And, you know, Newport Oof. to Pasadena was like two hours. But being yes. in downtown L.A. and being like on that island for four or five days, I don't like it. Yeah. And I don't know the last time you've been to downtown LA. I was there a couple of weeks ago. It's can be a little rough too. Like it's yeah, just yeah. not. It's, so yeah, I mean, both have strengths and weaknesses. The, the, the games are going to be unbelievable. It's, um, and I'm sure, you know, you've spent a ton of time talking about this. We'll get into this and the committee had an impossible job. I mean, they, this was the first time um, you have, you have teenage daughters, Lance. You have teenage. I do, well, I got a 20 year old daughter now. 20-year-old daughter. So you went yeah. through the teenage years. And you remember, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I felt like with this committee that night. Like, oh, they're they're dead. Like, just some of those some of those weekends and just some of those moments, some of the dating experience <laughs> with like, oh, my gosh. Like, it just is apparent. You're like, there's no win here. Like, how are we just going to somehow mitigate this mess? And how are well, we going right. to manage It's Alabama's situation? fault, though. If Alabama yep. loses to Georgia, this thing is Correct. simple. It's airtight. You've it's got 13 number 13 one 13 Georgia. 13 and 0, 13 and 0. I mean, it's 52-0. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. One, it's number one Georgia playing Florida State in the Sugar, and yep. it is what your Washington fans they thought it was two and three Michigan against Washington, yep. and there really is no argument at that point. Look, did you get the four best teams? No, but look, their hands are up. Hey, look, we got four Power Conference undefeateds. That's right. That's exactly right. You would have honestly, you would have fifty-two and zero, which would have never happened, and obviously never happened again as they're going to expand these playoffs and. Well, you know, Alabama had a little something to say with that. Nick Saban and his boys had a little something to say with that. Georgia's injuries, I think, had a little something to say to that, that, you know, they were not the same team. We talk about Florida State not being the same team. Well, Georgia wasn't the same team over the last few weeks, and certainly as many guys that tried to play at 50% or 60% or whatever some of them were, it wasn't good enough. And Alabama was just on that crescendo, man. They were healthier. They were believing. They were better. And on that Saturday, they got it done and totally, as I said, upset <laughs> a bunch of fan bases, a bunch of people. And uh, ultimately, though, you know, I don't like it. I mean, if I'm on that committee, I don't know how I look at myself with a 13-0 and team, 13-0 and in a Power 5 and beat LSU, right, and was 2-0 and in the SEC. And and then, you know, when, when an injury happens and guys go down, the rest of the team stepped up and their defense was unbelievable over the last couple of weeks of this season and in particular against Louisville. And that's what the ultimate team sports about. Like if someone's down, we got to pick each other up and they did. And, oh man, I just feel awful, awful, awful uh, for those guys. 
And there's no easy, there's no words to console them. There's no, you know, like, oh, you'll feel better eventually. No, no. no and you never. will always wonder and you will always ask, like, what could have been? And frankly, Lance, if they would have known this then, uh, they probably would have said Jordan Travis and maybe hid that injury yep. and said, hey, I know it looked terrible. So it's just same. a high ankle, just yep. a high ankle. And we're going to, you know, tie it back together. And, and he's going to be ready for, you know, the championship weekend. And if that was the case, maybe <laughs> maybe they're in. I mean, it's just yep. as, uh, as tough deal all the way around. Uh, Fox is Brock Heward. It's unlocked. It is brought to you by Lance'sLock.com. Jump on board. Uh, we've got everything from the NFL. We've got the college football bowls. We'll have a big bowl package for you, college basketball, NBA. Go to lanceslog.com. There's a free play every single day. So Washington sitting at 13-0. and 0. Um, I've probably seen seven or eight full games of Washington football, yeah. and I can't believe, and I don't know if it's a local thing. And look, Texas played great football the last couple of weeks against Texas Tech and then what they did against Oklahoma State. But I've got a lot of our listeners and viewers that are like, Washington has no shot. And we've talked about their experience. Um, I saw Texas be really fortunate to get out with a win over Kansas State in a game where Kansas State should have won that game. First and goal for the four. All they got to do is get in. And we're not even talking about Texas. And we've got no controversy in this college football playoff. But I'm trying to tell people, watch out for Washington. They don't lose tight games. Nope. Nope. What seven and zero in one score games this year? Yep. Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer have won twenty games in a row over the last year and a half. They just believe and they find a way to win. We spent a a lot of time in the Northwest talking about that leading up to the game Friday night. And uh, Herbie came on our show the day of and that morning, kind and very gracious of him, and said, you know, and and my co-host Mike Salk felt this way very strongly that if this is a tight game. And that was kind of my consensus too. Like if they could get this game to the fourth quarter and it was a one score game, enormous advantage Huskies. The Ducks had played two, two of those all year. And one of them felt like last season in Lubbock, Texas, because <laughs> it was so early in the season. The only yep. other one, the Washington game, and that was it. Those are the only two games that the fourth quarter mattered, that possessions mattered, that this critical third down mattered. And for Washington, it was the inverse of that, man. Really, after that Oregon game, it was every single week. And it were and they were different, Lance. And I think that's the key. Like, if it was just the same thing over and over, the same mundane, well, our defense is terrible. Oh, we're going to have to find a way to, you know, score 50. That wasn't the case. They needed 50 at SC. And then they needed a defensive touchdown versus ASU. And they needed the, the, the battle, the Forrest Gump, you know, thunderstorm in Corvallis and, and, a, and a critical third down at the end after their defense forced three takeaways. So every one of them was also a little bit different. And, oh, by the way, they got healthy. Right? Well, and here's, got, here's another thing that I, I have not seen yet. When Michael Penix, people are like he's not playing his best football. When he needs to make a critical oh. throw, he makes a critical throw. Yes, he does. Yeah, he didn't really miss many of those. Other than at the end of the Apple Cup where he threw nearly two picks and then took a sack, uh, but his kicker bailed him out. You know, outside of that, you're absolutely right. At Oregon State, it was a third down to win the game. Throw throw my little one-on-one -on -one back shoulder to Rome. Um, tie game with Oregon or, you know, down against Oregon in the first matchup. Need to throw a, a touchdown to Roma Dunze, you know, down the pipe and with under a minute to go. In this game, you know, a third down and, and goal, I'll, I'll throw it to Quentin Moore and he'll catch his first touchdown of his career in an unbalanced formation. Oh, you know what? Our defense gives it right up. I'll come back on the next third down and I'll hit Jalen McMillan, who, by the way, is finally healthy. In, in that third cog oh, in the huge. receiving core. I mean, just huge. Yes, it just didn't really matter who and when and what the circumstance was. He delivered, the run game delivered. But I'm telling you, Lance, the difference with their two safeties back 
Asa Turner, a guy named Cam uh, Fabiculan, and those two guys had missed really the final six weeks of the season. And to get them back and healthy, settle down the secondary, uh, their big defensive tackle, Tuli Latuli Nasanoa, love saying that name, Tuli Latuli Nasanoa, uh, to get him back in the fold by far their most dominant defensive player. And you could feel it, man. And, and I'll tell you this as well, being down in Vegas, those bookies and those books and those sports books did the Huskies the biggest service possible. Yeah, and maybe nine and a half. And maybe the Ducks the biggest disservice possible. They did. Just to and make they, those guys nine and a half point underdogs at 12 and 0 just inflame them. And you certainly felt that. Yeah, and looking, it affected me at lanceslog.com because it's one of those oh, numbers Lance. I can't explain. Oh, Lance. Lance. I know. I know. What did you do, Lance? What did you do? I, I played Oregon. Oh. I did. I did. I, you know, I, I do think Las Vegas is majority of the time they're really smart. When they put out a number like this, it does mean something. They completely whiffed on this. And I agree. I do think, and Herb Street pointed this out, like they are playing with a chip on their shoulder. When they went up 20 to three, it was like, F you. We already beat you guys. How in yep. the hell are we nine and a half point underdogs? Right. So, and that's why I don't discount this team at all. Uh, so, Washington fans, and you cover it every single day. Mm-hmm. How confident are they against Texas? And if they do beat Texas, and I know we'll get more into this as the game builds up, if they do beat Texas, who would they rather have, Michigan or Alabama? Yeah, I think that's a, a great, probably Michigan. Yeah, just because of stylistically, like closer. Yeah, see, game. I would just think that they would want the SEC. You know, hey, look, we we've never had this matchup. Let's do it. Maybe. I mean, I guess they didn't 16. Yeah, they had 16. Yeah. <laughs> they, had yeah, they didn't it didn't go well. No, and I think there's like 10 dudes on that defense still playing in the league or you know, it yeah. started in the league with Minka and others. So no, I think that they would, and I think frankly, that you know, as much as they wanted to go to Pasadena, at least they avoided Bama or at least they avoided Georgia. So when it came out, like, okay, Texas, we played them in the Allen Bowl, Bowl last year. Hard fought game, pretty tough game. A lot of the same personnel. I know there was no Bijan, no Roshan last year, but there was Worthy and there was Ewers and there was the O line and the D line and like, okay, yeah, this was a this was a pretty good matchup a season ago, and it will be this time around. What is the feeling? By no means arrogant. I don't think you feel any hubris, but you feel this Kalen DeBoer like we got this. And Lance, that was the most telling thing to me, like watching the TV monitors, and it's been this way all season with Kalen. He just has a uh, an expression. He's got a posture. He's got a a demeanor on that sideline that, like, we're going to win. You know, it's almost as if he knows, like, the end result. (laughs) And no matter the circumstances, other than yelling at the refs a few times over the course of the season with some calls he didn't love, like, he never, ever flinches. And because of that. Are you good at reading his face? I can read his face. Okay, so I'm going to need to know going into this game where we are on Kalen's poker face. And then if, in fact, they get by Texas – where they are on the national yep. championship. Because I said it, look, I think one of two coaches needs to win the national coach of the year. And that is either Kalen DeBoer or that is Mike Norvell and maybe kind of a makeup for leaving them out. And I got no problem with it. What he's done with that program completely yep. flipped the script on that. So either yep. one of those guys. But I do think Kalen DeBoer, this is a coaching mismatch. I'll give Sarkeesian, you saw him in Washington. Good dude, great story how he's turned turned around his life. He is growing as a coach. There is no doubt. But I think right now, Kalen DeBoer is a better coach than Sark. Well, yeah, for Sark to get over this hump, and this was a huge hump this season as they move on into the SEC next year. I mean, you realize he had not had a double-digit win season in the course of his career until this season. 
he had been kind of seven win Sark, eight win Sark, maybe nine win Sark, seven win Sark. They never just been able to stabilize over the course of the season, just kind of up and down and up. And there was always a, a bit of a valley. And this year, they got to the mountaintop, man. It wasn't just 10. It wasn't just 11. It was 12 and playing their best ball at the end of the year. So uh, they got an excellent staff. Kwiatkowski is very good defensively. Kyle Flood's an excellent offensive line coach. Sark puts together. I'll say this, Lance. Like, and, and I would go to bat against anybody with this. If you were to say, who are the five best like if I had to send my son, if he was a senior and he was good enough and he had to go play for the one of the five best play callers, schemers, designers to get oh, the yeah. most out of their personnel, Ryan Grubb, Kalen DeBoer, Steve Sarkeesian. Like they're on that list. Like they're on the medal stand. Like, you know, Lincoln Riley's up there. I know it's a rough year, but Lincoln is up there. I think Ryan Day over the years has done a, a very good job. Dan Mullen, in fact, when he was at Florida, I thought did an excellent job of, of always being QB friendly and getting the very most out of that position. Those two at Texas and Washington do it as well as anybody and have three and a half weeks to prepare for this one. Okay, as we transition into the NFL, I'm going to ask you my facetious question of the day. This is Unlocked with Fox's Brock Heward. It is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. Great stocking stuffers out there. ton of different items to choose from. Go to manscaped.com. Put in that promo code UNLOCKED. They're going to hook you up at checkout. That is at manscaped.com. Can I add so, to that? Can I add to Manscaped, by the way? Yep, if you got please. a pre-pubescent pre uh, son or a pubescent son that's got <laughs> some peach fuzz, it just really annoys you, but you don't want to say anything because it's that awkward stage of kind yep. of puberty and they're already a little, you know, insecure and already maybe have a little bit of pimples popping up and they got girls looking at them and everything. And you look over in the car when you take them to school and they got that little awkward peach fuzz. Yep. That manscape is a home run. Yeah. I mean, my, home run. My little guy is 16, Brock, and he has got a full beard. I ain't a little guy anymore. Yeah, I know. And he's six feet, 205. Like he's doing pull-ups all the time at the house. You know, my buddies come over there like, this guy wants to be a bouncer. I don't know what's going on. So anyway, he has used Manscaped as well. But here's my facetious Good. question okay. today for you. So Monday Night Football, by the way, Lance'slog.com, we had the Bengals getting 10 and a half points, winning the game outright. And I played uh, uh, a, a player prop, the over 61 and a half Jamar Chase total yards. Very easy winner there. And I told people, I've got a feeling Jake Browning's going to have a really good game. Yep. And you saw this guy at Washington, got a ton of reps there, took him to a college football playoff. The way he played last night, here is my yep. question. It's a little facetious. Who yep. gets more starts in the NFL next year, Michael Penix Jr. or former Husky Jake Browning? Ooh. 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 Good question. Uh, is As much as we see QBs drafted the first and second round playing, I'm going to probably lean on Penix. Yeah, just because Burrow or uh, Browning's going to fight the same battle, he's always fought. He's short, he's unathletic, doesn't have a big arm, he's accurate, and he's got great decision making. So he's going to stick around this league for ten or twelve years, like guys like him tend to do. I mean, Case Keenum kind of checked every one of those same boxes as well. And heck, I think Case is still playing somewhere. Uh, who was the little guy out of Missouri? Chase Daniel, same yep. same thing. Jake's have you not seen Chase Daniel's like career earnings? It's unbelievable. It's, oh, it was, I think it was like $96 million or yeah, something. It's like, it's like Manscaped, you know, net, net profit <laughs> in, in a year. You know, it's unbelievable. Um, but Jake's that way. Like, he's just not going to, there's not going to be somebody, no matter what he does over the final four or five, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's my guy. I'm going to invest in that guy. But he's going to be somebody's guy as a backup for a long time. And maybe he's going to run with this four or five games and show like, hey man, I'm exactly the guy for Joe Burrow who's gotten beat up and not finished a, a couple seasons here because the dude is accurate. I mean, 
Go back and look, Lance. I think in high school, at Folsom High School, he threw for like 15,000 yards. At UW, he's the all-time record holder, like 13,000 yards. Like, you don't do that unless you can throw accurately and with great decision-making. He does both of them, and super proud to see him perform last night. Well, you know, after Burrow went down, we wrote the Bengals off. And look, it's probably still a, a huge hill to climb, but they're at 6-6 six and six right now. And if Jacksonville, as a 10.5-point favorite, on Monday night would have won that game. They would be right now your one seed at nine and three. But since they lost that, you've got Miami and Baltimore sitting at one and two. Um, this AFC, it's not playing out like I thought it would. You and I both like the Ravens going into the season. I hope they completely shit the bed this weekend against my Rams. Probably won't happen, happen coming off a of bye. But this AFC, I mean, like Buffalo's been great, and then they've been bad, and um, quarterbacks can't stay healthy. I don't know what to make of the AFC right now. No, I hear kind of Tom Brady's words from just a couple weeks ago talking about the overall play, right? And just and when you don't have time on task and you don't work in the off seasons and you limit all of this contact and you limit anything in preseason and you don't play preseason games, like in what world do we think that's going to be good for the product? Like it's a it's a college football right now, Lance. Like it is totally unsustainable. What's going on in this model and what, 1,500 kids in the portal and, uh, you know, a few of them going to be making seven figures and a bunch of them going to be making nothing. And Yeah, but FBI can I make a point yeah. and you tell me if you agree. So with college football, I think one of the reasons the games have been so great the last couple of years is because quarterback play has been outstanding. Like you've got so much experience now at the quarterback position. Yeah. On the other hand, I think one of the reasons the NFL has been a little diluted this year and we've seen some really clunker games is because so many backup quarterbacks are actually starting. And you got so many backup quarterbacks starting because so many starting quarterbacks have been knocked out because so many offensive lines can't block these defensive lines yeah. today. I mean, we, we could feel this coming like 10, 20 years ago, right? Like uh, it was, it was even then it was like the bears in the eighties and, you know, we've seen the Ravens and then we saw the Buccaneers and, you know, we've seen a, a elite pass rush teams, but it was kind of cyclical. And then you find kind of answers to it or, or they graduate on or retire on, but now just cumulatively, like over the course of the 32 teams and there's a tiny little microcosm. And, and I remember visiting you a couple of years ago in Birmingham, covering the USFL, like if that's a little like trial balloon, if that's a little bit of a minor leagues, if that's a little bit of kind of a showcase of what is and isn't personnel wise, well, it's crystal clear. There are a lot of dudes on the NFL, like are in the defensive line that are like right near NFL level or get to the NFL. There ain't many offensive linemen. Like that's just the disparity is so great. And you're seeing quarterbacks hammered, even though they're trying to protect them in every way imaginable. Because these old lines today, you, you want to talk about the one group Okay, uh, QBs and receivers, we can go throw. DK Metcalf can go and he can visit DK and Tyler, and and you'll see these NFL dudes do it all the time. Joe Burrow will say, "Hey, Jamar, hey T, why don't you guys come hang out with me for a week? We'll go to we'll go to Maui and we'll go train for a week. We'll get some time on task. We'll we'll get to work and we'll get to build some continuity and timing. You know who doesn't get to do that? Yeah. Old lines. Hey, yeah, you uh, see an old Walter Jones pushing yeah. an escalate up a hill. That's He's right. by himself. Exactly. Exactly. Hey. Hey, uh, you guys want to come hang out in, in Huntsville and, and hang out on the offensive line field for a week and, and block nobody? Like, no, there's nothing you can do other than the contact, the training camps, preseason games, and then they don't even do that anymore. So, yeah, we've got to – this next CBA will be really, really interesting if this product keeps going this way, if these QBs keep getting beat up and get just injured and can't sustain. Like, you know what, maybe we should practice a little bit more in the offseason and those old heads like Brady 
in Montana and those guys to talk about, you know, the old lines they played with and the teams they played with. Maybe we should get back to a little bit more of that model. He is Fox's Brock Hewitt. It's Unlocked. We do it every week here on Disrupt the Media. Like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. It is always brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Use that code next round. Get a first deposit bonus at MyBookie.ag. When I first saw Brock Purdy playing for Matt Campbell, I was like, damn, this kid's pretty good. And then he really regressed his last couple of years in Ames. And then he goes. They see something, the intangibles. And in a very quarterback-friendly San Francisco system, they take him as Mr. Irrelevant. And yeah. now Mr. Irrelevant, 12-week deep, three three months into the NFL season, is your MVP favorite. Uh, what a story this would be. Look, in the NFL, it's not that they need money. They don't need storylines. But this would be an incredible storyline to go from Mr. Irrelative to yeah. winning the yeah. uh, the MVP. Yep, this is twice I mentioned my co-host Salk, so uh, he better be happy if uh, if anybody responds to him. But he asked Pete Carroll a few weeks ago, Lance. He's like, Coach, help me understand this. You guys spend all these hours. You spend all this money, all this manpower. You have months from January to February to March to April. You have interviews. You have combines. You have workouts. You have all of this time. And you're telling me that Brock Purdy's Mr. Irrelevant? How does that happen? How do you guys – how does that – you know, how, how does that work? And, you know, as Pete would say, and I think I would answer right back, like you see Brock Purdy in street clothes, or as I did in Ames, Iowa, his final year there, Lance, uh, on a Friday workout, you're like, okay, yep, small hands, short arms, like undersized, can't see, you know, not going to be, has to lick his thumb every play to get a grip at the college <laughs> level. Like probably not going to transfer real well at the NFL level. And boy, was that wrong because you just can't measure this. Much like head injuries are so hard to diagnose, so hard to project when you're going to come back from, so hard to figure out, and there's still so much unknown about brain injury, it's the same thing with brain processing. Like, you you think you got these tests, you think you could fly them in, I think I told you the story about Brandon being there in Buffalo that year, there were five, you know, first round QBs, and, and they thought they figured it out with Josh because he was overwhelming, and they're kind of whiteboard, and they're, you know, they, they think they've got it figured out but they still don't because to evaluate somebody's time and ability to process in that split second, in that nanosecond, in that second, right. And be able to do that and to see it and to feel it. And that, I mean, he's, he's different. He's different. And you're seeing that played out with Shanahan, the perfect maestro to put him in a position for success. Yeah. The other day, my girlfriend was like, uh, so in Mr. Relevant, do they usually do well? And I'm like, no, they usually get a Rolex and a parade and they get a shot at camp, a little bit of money, and then they get cut. Yep. And then you see them in the US, USFL. And yep. this this story is just because I don't know, you know, I mean, you covered the guy in college. He, you know, he was really good his first couple of years. And then he was still know. good. It's just that the bar changed, right? I think I would challenge that a little bit. I mean, okay. maybe the numbers dipped a little, Lance, but I think the expectation was wow, he's so good. Wow, him and Brees Hall have really elevated. Now maybe they're gonna be a playoff team, right? And I think even like one year they started the preseason like top 10. And then you actually, if you went and looked at their old linemen <laughs> and you looked at their guys, you're like, uh-uh. Like you know who <laughs> recruited him, though? Nick Saban. I mean, they were Alabama was one of his finalists. And for him to go to Iowa wow. State, I guess he was told, hey, look, you're a work in progress. Like, you're not going to yep. play immediately. And Matt Campbell was probably like, you can win this starting job, you know, day one. Yes. But, I mean, that shows you something because Nick Saban's one of the best talent evaluators sure we've, we've ever seen. He sure is. And he's got one other thing, too. And, and – 
Damon mentioned this. My big brother was at the Thanksgiving game when San Francisco beat Seattle up there and saw him in person. He's like, you know, give him some credit for being an athlete too. Like you want to just say, oh, he's tiny, he's little, he can't do any of this. No, to scramble around and to extend plays and and to do the things that he's capable to do to get out of the pocket at the NFL level. And, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not going to run for 100 yards, but he can create enough. And then that brain is good enough. And then the decision and the accuracy and the timing and all of that stuff. Well, as you said, it's got him in a position now as an MVP that nobody, nobody on draft day would have ever, ever imagined. Okay, one final question before I let you go. It's Unlocked. It is brought to you by Lance's Lock. Go to lanceslock.com. Get a free play every single day. Fox is Brock Heward. So this weekend, big games for your Seahawks and my Rams. Rams go to Baltimore for a noon kick against mm. a team coming off a bye. They're seven-point underdogs. On the other side, your Seahawks go to San Francisco where they were embarrassed in Seattle on Thanksgiving. Uh, either one of these teams have a shot at either one of those teams. Well, I'm hoping the Rams get beat up, you know, beat to heck. The Ravens, <laughs> healthy, off of a bye. I know there's no Andrews, so just beat the tar out of those Rams, please. Knock Stafford out in their season so my Seahawks have some semblance <laughs> of a chance to make the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, do you know this number, Lance? 14, I think this is Pete's 14th year in Seattle. Do you know how many times in 14 years he's lost four in a row? No, I would say zero. It would be zero. Yeah. Even in 10 and 11 with Charlie Whitehurst and Hasselback and T-Jack and before Russell came on the scene in 12, he has never lost four games in a row. Hey, he's and literally, that. if they were playing anybody but San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. I would say I feel good about this, but San Francisco yep. has become a juggernaut. Yes, and Pete can't beat Kyle, and he's Shanahan's owned him the last four. When when healthy, it's not been competitive. Sean McVay has owned Pete, right, ten and five, and 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 owned him recently. And that's a lot of the scuttlebutt in Seattle. Say, hey, hold on a second, where is this thing going? Like a lot of the young talent, right? Love the draft class of the last two years, but where is this thing really headed? You're twelve point underdogs. Pete Carroll's team is a 12-point underdog in December. That when is massive. Teams, it's, I think it's the second biggest since 2011 when they went to Pittsburgh and got punched in the face, and the GM Schneider came out of that game and said, never again, never will we be physically humiliated the way we were. We just could not even compete. So this is the second biggest spread in over a decade. Trying to fend off a four-game losing streak, I don't think they've got a chance. I think San Francisco, as you said, is playing now for the number one seed, has closed the gap, knows that Philadelphia is not playing their best ball, has got a great shot if they go undefeated down the stretch to be the number one seed, and they are the best team going in the league right now. Okay, we're going to have a few weeks to get more into the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl and these matchups um, as we come to you here on Disrupt the Media Unlocked with Fox's Brock Heward. But final thing as we go out, um, if Washington wins and Alabama wins, we all have to be in Houston with a lot of passing time wine. So you got to tell Damon, I know he's going to be there to see his Washington Huskies play for a national championship. I know you'll be there. We yes. need some passing time wine. We can up. do that. Oh, okay. we can absolutely. We can absolutely arrange that. Now, you Well, we'll to... be broadcasting live for probably okay. a week. Can okay. you and Damon come by and jump on set with us? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. 100%. Now, you got to tell me, just as importantly, the Grizz and Furman Friday night in Missoula. You got a line? You got a bead yet? Can you, you let know me the, know? 
You, well, they will be, but they set the college basketball numbers because there's there's such a massive. I'm not board. talking basketball. I'm talking FCS quarterfinal oh. football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Hold not on, talking okay, right basketball. Now. Okay, I'm not talking Hold any on. of that. Ran- no, no, no. I'm talking right now. Baby, I'm going- is the FCS quarterfinals. We're down to the final eight. The Grizz were the two seed coming in. They throttled Delaware. The Delaware QB said after the game, "Hey, we played a Penn State this year. That was nothing." compared to Grizzly Stadium. What I just endured in this place, unbelievable noise and hostility and passion. So Furman, you're Furman. I don't even know their nickname. You're, you're Furman. The Paladins. You're the Paladins. Paladins are making the cross-country trip to Missoula Friday night, ESPN2. Yeah, a little bead? Can I get a little Lance Lock? Can I get a little uh, bet? Can I get a little something-something? What, what are you feeling? Oh, I'm looking here. Damn, Montana won 49-19 over Delaware, who's going to the oh, FBS? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stomped them. Just stomped My them. gosh. I'll find yeah. a number for you, and I'll send okay. it to you. Um, <laughs> I would – oh, damn, Montana's a number two seed? Yes, they're going to be favored. They're going to oh, be a heavy favorite. Is it going to be snowing? Be let, me, let me guess. Missoula, it'll be snowing. Well, it was snowing last Saturday night. No, it's going to be like – 18 degrees so i'm gonna try it we're making the trip <laughs> where my wife and i are heading up watch our girls play some basketball wednesday uh saturday and that'll be friday night so you just let me know okay between no, now and then i will you that is the, play you live a great life though by the way i mean not only do we get to do what we do for a living but you to be able to go to the incredible state of montana to watch your daughters play basketball Pretty and cool. just hang out with the wife that's incredible gonna be a good does, she, does she drink passing time she likes the chardonnay yeah, okay. she likes she likes a little Chardonnay from passing time. So yeah. Well, look, man, uh, whatever you're doing this weekend, I don't know. Do you even have a game this weekend? No, no you're going to nope, you're going to Missoula. Nope. Okay. I got the Grizz on Friday night. We'll be watching them versus Furman. Got my girls Saturday. No, Hayes in the barn for me. Uh Holiday Bowl is the only Fox Bowl, and Joel and Gus will have that. So barring sickness or an NFL possibility, nope, I will be just watching a ton of ball, getting ready, and, yeah, rooting for the Huskies and the Tide so we can meet in Houston, which would be okay. pretty darn fun. Yeah, it would be awesome. Um, I will send you that number in a little bit, the Paladins okay. taking on the Grizz. Uh, but have a wonderful weekend in Montana, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Always a blast. Appreciate it, Lance.